Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three things. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. We're going to get to uh, Minneapolis in just a minute to get to Matt Nor- Norlander and Tim Doyle. But we got a monster show lined up for you. We had a great matchup last night yeah. between Giannis and Joel Embiid. Ooh, break that down. Team. The uh the Eastern Conference is getting really interesting in the playoff race as some of those teams jockeying for position with uh, a lot of you know tight races there to see sure. who, uh, who wins down the stretch. You're gonna have to carry the show today. Am I? Yeah, I went out with yeah. some of my buddies last night, high school buddies. Like my, and I haven't seen them in a while. Some of my boys. But it was like early. We started Thursday at, night. Yeah, we started at five thirty. So like we went after work for those guys. Yeah, I had a pretty. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like it was around eight thirty. So like three hours, and then we settled up the tab. But then we planned a trip for August. Oh wow! And like so, we ended up ordering another round and opening up another tab. So you're gonna have to carry the show. All right, I got you. All I'm right. a little jelly. I got to be honest. I you won't it. have to carry all the show though, because we do have our boys Matt Lorelander and Tim Doyle joining us from Minneapolis, site of the Final Four, where. It's going to be uh, an incredible weekend. Not exactly the star power that we thought we were going to have or some of the typical name brands that we have usually. So, fellas, I'll ask you guys, what is there to sell on this Final Four for just an average college basketball fan? Well, Tim, for me, one of the biggest things is obviously the uh, the coaching personalities. Tim uh, Tom Izzo is big time, without a doubt. Bruce Pearl may be as animated as any coach that we have. And beyond that, I do think that the Michigan State-Texas Tech game, guys, it sets up as the best matchup we've had, maybe the hardest to predict matchup we've had in about a half decade in college basketball. So for me, those are two of the bigger selling points. Yeah, I, I think the Tom Izzo 8 Final Fours, Big Ten hasn't won a championship since 2000. Right, Mateen Cleaves was running around like this. Uh, but Cassius Winston is really Mateen Cleaves 2.0. And as for Texas Tech, I think they're getting disrespected. This line should be more of a pick 'em. I think Jared Culver's the best player at the Final Four. And can Tony Bennett get over the hump? Raja and Danny, think about this. Virginia wins a national championship. Will we look back on Diakite's shot? As maybe a bigger shot than Christian Leitner's shot against Kentucky? I think it's a conversation. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, look, what stands out to me, uh, obviously there's a noticeable lack of the star power, but, but you're talking about these one and done freshmen that are so coveted in today's, you know, NCAA basketball game and, and none of these teams really have those guys. Is that an indictment on that? Is that proof that you need veterans to win even at the NCAA level? I don't think so. Now, two years ago, we thought we were in the same spot, but that wound up not being the case because Zach Collins for Gonzaga had such a strong NCAA tournament that he wasn't forecast to be a one-and-done player, actually turned out to be that. But uh, you've got a lot of aged veterans. I've talked to multiple coaches in the past couple of days, and they have said that the fact that you have these guys who have been around who are tough, that's another thing with these teams, guys. All of them have a toughness streak. Auburn's undersized, but really gritty. Virginia with that pack line defense, incredible. Texas Tech and Michigan State almost speak for themselves. So, yeah, there's the lack of the one-and-done. But if you really do look over the course of the Final Four in the past 10 years, we have had some one-and-done studs. But it is more you are more likely to get a team like Michigan State than, say, a team like Duke or Kentucky. Yeah, I just wonder if Mike Krzyzewski right now is sitting in his big, fancy palace thinking, oh, man, I should not have shifted away from the experience that got me to that point. Because, Matt, he was reluctant to take one-and-done guys. And then he ends up taking one-and-done guys. And, yes, he won a championship with Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winstons, and and Jones. But was that enough? And now they get knocked off by a veteran team in Michigan State with veteran guards. Cassius Winston's a junior. Matt McQuaid's a senior. So I, I, 
I, I, I'd rather have experienced guys, but when you get those one-and-done guys, they're such prized possessions, and you know they sell tickets, and you know it's good for ratings, and you know it's good for your brand, but is it good to win a national championship? Maybe not so much. I would, yeah. I'd, I'd follow up real quick in that we don't have one-and-dones. We have lottery talents here. Uh, Jared Culver might turn himself into a top-five pick. DeAndre Hunter is right there with him. So the, although those weren't one-and-done guys, they are going to be guys that you're going to hear their names called early in this June's NBA draft. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because as the converse, like as these coaches get higher profile and they have more success like this, they'll have a shot at those one and duns and they'll start getting them to come to their programs because they're getting there. But I totally agree with you guys. Experience does matter, uh, for the players, but for the coaches too. You've got Tom Izzo who's making his eighth final four appearance. It's the first for everybody else. How much of an edge does that give Izzo, if any at all? I'm not sure that it does. Uh, I think I think having gone through it might be a little bit of a benefit there, Tim. I think that the, the fact that this is now his eighth time, and I spoke with this about that yesterday, he is he is really anxious. I mean, he is eager for that second championship. I'll also note that every other time that Michigan State has not won the national title, it was not favored to do so in those years. There were a lot of really good teams that just Michigan State was uh, couldn't overcome there. But Tony Bennett, considered a top-ten coach in the game. Chris Beard. Really is knocking on the door of that. Bruce Pearl, one of the master motivators and great compartmentalizers in all of college basketball. He is embracing this. He is, he is the biggest stunner in that. Um, but maybe to a small extent, Izzo having all that experience helps. But you gotta remember, it really comes down to the players and, and the coaches will tell you that, uh, you know, no matter how many times I've been, it's really my players and none of the Michigan State players on this roster obviously have experienced this as well. So it's hard for the coaches to kind of, you know, they can guide them, but unless you've lived it, you don't know it. I think an interesting point is now you play in a stadium, right? You play all year in arenas. Now it's like, all right, now we're going to play in this massive stadium. What's the adjustment going to be for a shooting angle? And I got a chance to play at the Carrier Dome a few times, and I felt like a three-pointer was a free throw, and a free throw was a layup. So you got two of the best defenses statistically in the country with Texas Tech and v- Virginia. Are they going to have a massive advantage from a defensive standpoint as far as getting out, challenging shooters. Can Auburn make 12 threes a game? Uh, they've made 12 threes during their 12-game winning streak. Is that going to carry over? I think that's going to be something to watch out for. Well, you, since you brought it up, let's talk about that Virginia and Auburn game, right? The juxtaposition of a, of a great defensive team versus uh, the best three-point shooting team left in the tournament. Um, you know, Auburn's kind of Cinderella-ish, but they've, they've lost Chumo Kiki, you know, in the process. Uh, how do you think that week affects them now that they've got some time to digest that? And how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think it's going to affect them in a major way. Now, Auburn's going to try and and, and get its shots from deep. I, I think they're going to try and uh, get get Harper into the lane as much as they can. He's a really fun player. Bryce Brown can really fill it up, too. I think he's a really talented player. But I think with Virginia's pack line defense, how strong it is, it's really tough to be able to to be effective against that. It's, it's one of the defenses where... You you will prep for it, you'll run your scouts, you'll do your walkthroughs, and then once you are seeing Virginia's length, talk to a couple coaches yesterday who said, this team is bigger than you think it is. Until you play them and you realize how big and long Ty Jerome is, until you see the length of DeAndre Hunter, Mama Diakite, been a fantastic. I think it's just going to be too much for Auburn to overcome that. Could they have a Purdue-like uh, shooting experience potentially? But up until the Purdue game, Virginia did rate as the best three-point defense in college basketball. You know, I think Virginia is the better team, but I trust Auburn. I, I, they've just gone out there and just made plays, and I, I think this is going to be a barn burner of a game. But when I look at Virginia, 
I have massive trust issues. Like if I was dating Virginia, I would want to check their emails. I would maybe look <laughs> in their phone once in a while because you don't know which Virginia team is going to end up showing up. Is it going to be the team that could score 75 points or is it the team when you slow them down? So my best comparison of Virginia is if I'm in a relationship with them, you know what they're doing, Raja and Danny? They're phoned down, all right? I can't see their notifications. There's a huge trust issue I have with Virginia. So right now, Virginia's out. I thought Auburn has a legit shot to win this game. They're going to have to make a bunch of threes. Well, Tim, if you check Kyle Guy's phone, I like the analogy, too, because we all been there. If you check Kyle Guy's phone, you'll find a screen grab of the uh, score from last year's uh, early exit when they got knocked off by 16 seed UMBC. How much do you think that actually can still be motivating this team? Because it's one thing to use that motivation when you're playing a 16 seed. It's another thing when you're using it in the Final Four. Do you think they're still thriving off that storyline? I do, but I also want to mention the fact that Tony Bennett yesterday at his press conference brought up that, but he also brought up the loss two years ago to Florida. Um, Virginia was getting run out as the higher seed, and he said, the game was over, and I went to the sub table, and I put in Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. They, they really had no business being in the game, but I knelt down beside him. I said, I want you guys to take this in right now. I want you guys to remember what this feels like, because we're going to change things going forward. And then then came the UMBC loss, and then there was a, a, um, a lunch between Jerome and Tony Bennett. And the point here is that it has affected Virginia in a positive way going forward. I think that's been hugely important for them. It has been a motivating factor, but they've handled it so well, it hasn't been something that's loomed over them in a negative way. Well, I, I think that they've overcome, Raja and Danny, a lot of hurdles. You know, everyone's asking me, what do you want to see from Virginia? And I want to. I, I kept saying, I want to see adversity. And we saw it right away, right? Gardner Webb's up 14 points in round number one. You're like, oh, no, is this really going to happen again? If they would have lost to Gardner Webb, they needed to cancel all sports, like Virginia field hockey, like women's lacrosse, just no more sports at Virginia. That would have been the most embarrassing thing in the history of all sports, just just education-wise. So they figure out how to win that game. They go through adversity with Oregon. They're down 45-42, end up winning that. They should have never beat Purdue. So I like the fact that they've kind of had all of these learning lessons, but still, Still, saying all of that, they're not guarding the three. Opponents are almost shooting 40% in the tournament, and that's what Auburn does. They go out there and make threes. Carson Edwards made 10 threes. So unless Tony Bennett was in the lab during the week, which I'm sure he was, saying we need to get out on shooters, this is going to be a very competitive game. I think it goes right down to the wire. Are you guys surprised? Full disclosure, I like Bruce Pearl. Worked with him in broadcasting. I like his personality. It seems like the country's falling in love with him because he's telling people to take the overs, uh, you know, after when he's talking about the games. But are you guys surprised there hasn't been much conversation about his past history? Uh, you know, the scandal at, at Tennessee. Uh, when you get Chuck Person, you know, who was on his staff at Auburn, uh, you know, who was implicated in the, uh, this whole shoe scandal. And then here he is in the final four. And it seems like nobody's really bringing that up as a topic. Is it worth it? Or is it something that should be considered, Hey, it's water under the bridge? Uh, Mr. Cannell, I, I agree with you. I was thinking about that this morning, actually. I, I was, I was wondering if we might get a little more made of that. Now, uh, Bruce has maintained publicly, uh, and privately that, you know, what Chuck Person was doing, uh, he was not connected to his school obviously believes him but, i mean bruce pearl was able to survive an athletic director change amid an fbi scandal into his program that is incredible all things considered because most coaches wouldn't uh so yes to bluntly answer your question it has surprised me that there has not been made more of bruce pearl and his past but 
We'll see if they if they win against Virginia. I, you give it the, another day for the media to bring it up, and perhaps, potentially it it becomes a thing because he'd be the first coach under those circumstances to be playing for national championship. I think you said the key word win. Uh, this is the winningest program. In the history of their basketball tradition at Auburn right now, they just had a great three-year stretch, the best in program history. I'm just curious, Danny, how much did you get to go to Florida State? <laughs> I wish I would have got Ooh. more. I wish I would have got more. I'll tell you that. But when you say that, though, Tim, that was a good shot. I like that. But when you say that, Tim, like when you say, like, hey, they're winning all of a sudden, they're not a traditional program. Like, for instance, Ole Miss in football, when Hugh Freeze took over, you know, all of a sudden he gets all these recruits and they start challenging the SEC. They're knocking off Bama. And then you find out after, oh, well, how are they getting all those recruits at a program that doesn't traditionally contend? And you're like, oh, well, it was because they were cheating. Like that's, I don't, like that's when I look at it. I'm like, well, how do they get this good this fast? You know, and it just seems a little bit, you know, crazy. Yeah. Let, guys, let me, let me switch gears. I'm going no, to yes, yeah, yeah, come on. It's trying to get me in trouble. I tend to think, I tend to think, look, I'm, I'm going to move on and go to Texas Tech, Michigan State, but I'm of the opinion that everybody out there is dirty to some degree. So I'm not really judging degrees of dirtiness, but let me ask you about Michigan State specifically. I want you guys to talk about the game a little bit, how you see it playing out, but you touched on Jarrett Culver, the job he's doing at Texas Tech, probably a lottery pick. Uh, and people tend to forget that Michigan State lost one of their major cogs, uh, when Joshua Langford went down, um, in late December. How have they been able to survive and kind of reinvent themselves as a team? Uh, and then, Secondly, again, how do you see the game kind of playing out? All right, so on Michigan State here, I mean, I've spoken with the Michigan State staff. I talked with Tom Izzo all season about what they were able to do. Uh, fortunately, it was depth. I'll, Izzo told me a, a few weeks back, if you would have told me, Matt, that I'd have an elite defense without Joshua Langford, who's their best on-ball defender, I wouldn't have believed you. But they've really made huge progressions. Kyle Orange, who's had some back issues, he's been strong. He's been able to be uh, a pretty well-rounded player. I do think if you're going to look beyond like the surface stuff, the development of Kenny Goins – and Xavier Tillman, Xavier Tillman, know the name now. He could, he could step up and be the big name on Saturday in either of these games where he suddenly boosts his profile. I think he's going to be a top 40 player in college basketball next season. So those two bigs specifically who can step out, stretch and shoot, they've been a huge reason why. And I'll also tag it with this Cassius Winston, who has been terrific. Uh, we'll have a feature up on him at CBSports.com later on today. He is the best point guard in college basketball. Um, I would put him over even John Morant because of everything that he needs to do for this Michigan State team. And he has helped Michigan State for the second consecutive season become the most efficient passing offense in the sport, which means more passes wind up in made baskets by Michigan State than any other team. I think that's a huge factor against Texas Tech. I, I really respected everything you said until you said you would take Cassius Winston over John Murray. No, no, no. I, I, I love better, you to death. Better college player, not a better pro prospect. Ooh, I don't know about that. I'm yeah. not so sure about that. Uh, this Michigan State team, talent-wise, is worse th than they were compared to last year's team. Last year's team, Jaron Jackson ended up being a lottery pick. Miles Bridges, we've seen him have highlight dunks in the NBA. Those two guys were on this same roster, and they didn't get to a Final Four. This team embodies Tom Izzo. Like, this is his personality. He likes tough guys. He likes guys from Flint. He likes gritty. He likes to bring out the football pads. Now, this team could shoot the three, and if they make ten threes in this game, they're going to win. But what happens against Texas Tech, like Gonzaga, 
like Michigan, those two teams shot eight of 43 from three, is when you get an open look against Texas Tech, you're like, I, I, I gotta make this. Like, there's so much pressure on you because it's so hard to get that open look. If Michigan makes 10 threes, they're gonna win, but I think Texas Tech has been disrespected, disrespected in Vegas. This game should be a pick'em. The fact that Michigan State is favorite, that's because they're a brand name and they have Tom Izzo. Last time I checked, Tom Izzo has never scored a point. I love. Take every dollar you have, Rajai. I know you made a lot of money in the NBA. You too, Danny. You bet it on Texas Tech money line. You double up in this game. They are a lead pipe locked. Wow, I love it. Tim Doyle coming in with the heat, and I love it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do that You're right now. Do it. I am not. <laughs> hey, Matt, uh, Tim. Thanks for the time, man. Enjoy the games this weekend. They should be fantastic. Good stuff. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Is a raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome back, Ken Ellen Bell. Doing a little NBA at the uh, Bucks Sixers game was last night. Both you and I were right. Correct. Yeah, the, uh, the yeah, good stuff from you. We, I think we've been kind of hot lately. I know, yeah, we, get, we miss every now and again, but right. I mean, percentage I overall, wise, they're yes, doing all right. We don't have the scoreboard anymore, which is probably a good thing. But uh, <laughs> so they actually did. The Bucks uh, beat the Sixers one twenty eight to uh, to one twenty two, covered the four and a half point line. Uh, but I thought it was really. A great showcase game for the NBA kind of before the tournament started. There's no football. There's just, it's kind of the showcase game it was the game that everybody wanted to see. And you had two young superstars going blow for blow back and forth, back and forth with Giannis and Joel Embiid trading three pointers, trading moves inside. There's no doubt in my mind though, who got the better of who. And it wasn't only just because his team won, but I thought Giannis like just showed he is in a different, he's in a different stratosphere right now than Joel Embiid is. Yeah. That's, uh, it's a tough one. First of all, I thought the game was fantastic. Yeah. Um, these guys are, are are similar players, but so different in the way they approach uh, being a professional, right? The Joel Embiid is in your face, slightly obnoxious, not apologetic about how good he is, he tweets and chirps all on social media, likes to be in people's head. And Giannis is like your prototypical, I just go about my business, I let my game do the talking type of player. So it was interesting to kind of watch them. Uh, and I did find myself, if I'm being honest, kind of pulling for Giannis a little bit more than I pulled for Joel in that battle. I don't know why, it's just the human side of me. I I, I relate a little bit more to the Giannis style. Right. Um, I don't know that he's in a different stratosphere as a player because Joel is phenomenal. Some of the plays that he's able to make, not just for himself, but down the stretch, I think they were 7-7 seven to seven on assisted threes from Joel where he's in an ISO situation and all five sets of eyes on the defense are on him and he's able to just kind of facilitate and pick out, you know, who's open. I thought, you know, that's a remarkable skill set for a big man out on the perimeter facing the basket. Giannis just Debo's people. Ben, and, and he did it to Ben, ben Simmons. I mean, he's, ben Simmons is a big boy. Yeah. That's 6'9", maybe 6'10", I don't know, 245. Giannis Deboed him. 
right. multiple times. Like he he is he is a freak. When I say another stratosphere, I guess I mean MVP stratosphere. Yeah, totally. You know, like that's the next level where you're not hearing that conversation around Joel Embiid yet, and yet Giannis is making this case where it's either him or James Harden most likely getting the award, and it's probably going to be Giannis. And, and to your point, maybe and in, in you have something there. Giannis closed that game. Right. You know, and I, defensively too. Defensively also. He, he dug in, you know, it was like a back and forth game. It was back and forth. It was back and forth. I felt like the Sixers never really grabbed the game and dug in. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler did. Did Jimmy Butler play last night? Oh, no. I was watching the game. So I don't, I, that might have something to do with it, but I felt like Giannis, to your point about next stratosphere, maybe with the MVP conversation, locked in late in the game and was more about Winning, maybe it felt like, and Giannis and uh, and Joel was still kind of out there putting on a show for people. The, if that makes sense. The tone of the game was really set early in the first quarter when you had a little back and forth uh, between Joel Embiid and Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, when it was a little shove, it wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad. Just a little contact. Oh. That was called. Then Joel Embiid Just tossed throw the ball, the bottom, and then throw the ball Bledsoe back. Gave him a fastball, right? And and then I thought it was funny because. First of all, I didn't think it was that egregious. I thought they could have let it go. Eric Bledsoe got tossed. Nobody else did. Right. You know? Um, here, you got it wrong. I mean, unless you threw him out for that little slight elbow in the back, Joel throws a ball at him. He throws a ball back. Now, Mike Scott takes the ball and rifles it at, at Eric Bledsoe. At Eric Bledsoe. Again. So, what did you throw him out for? What, his was the fastest ball throw? Right. Right. right there, are there degrees in the NBA rule book about how fast you can throw a ball at an opponent? And that warning an ejection? Because if there is not, then you either eject all three of them or you give them technical fouls and keep it moving. Right. Did you see – can we play it back real quick? Because do you think – do you think Joel Embiid wanted any, like really wanted any? Because no. I thought he was a little slow and then it was like, yeah. I, ha- I better defend my manhood. Yes. And like get after him. But it was kind of like one of those hold me back, like, but you, I don't really want any. You read that body language correctly. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, he, he goes down, he catches it, like unless it knocked the wind out of him, but I don't think it did. And he kind of thought about it. And then he went after him. Yeah. Joel strikes me as a dude who thinks that this is like WWE. Yeah. Yeah. All fun and games. Yeah. And I can say. Be cool. Everyone's going to be cool. They know I'm just joking. I'm going to talk and, and make a spectacle. Um, and nobody's really going to get their feelings involved. And that's just not some – some dudes aren't wired like that. There are a bunch of guys that will probably do that with you. Yeah. And then there's some guys like Eric Bledsoe that might not be play-playing with you. <laughs> right. I don't think he wanted any of it, no doubt. Tom McGinnis, the radio uh, guy for the 76ers, was on the call, and it was one of the most hilarious calls you'll ever hear. Because I, I love – hey, radio guys are supposed to be homers, right? right? But he was calling it, and he was just calling the game. He's like, you know, foul called on uh, Joel Embiid or Eric Bledsoe right there. And he's like, and the ball's thrown. And he, he like, goes off. And he's like, that's the most violent act I have ever seen on a court. He needs to be ejected immediately. It's hilarious. If you can, find it. Yeah. Go listen to it because it's pretty animated that he gets out there. Did you hear Did you hear his post game, Joel Embiid, about, um, you know, he said something about, I must be pretty good at this. I've gotten two of the best players on their teams ejected from games. I, I, I did. Really? Yeah, I just, I don't love that. I gotta be honest. He's really taking the role of heel and kind yeah, of running with it. Yeah, and, and I, I get it's a shtick and maybe today's generation loves that. My thing is, man, you're so good. Right. You're so good. Don't, don't be that guy. Yeah. Just go out there and win, man. Yeah. Uh, so let's see how that thing, uh, plays out over, uh, hopefully in the playoffs these teams meet out because it'd be a pretty fun series, especially get a little bad blood. Yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd make it a little more spicy. Uh, speaking of bad blood, there is some really bit bad blood that's been boiling in Green Bay for quite some time. Obviously came to a head when Mike McCarthy was fired as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. But, uh, Bleacher Reports, Tyler Dunn did a long form piece and it was really long, mm-hmm. but it was really, I thought it was like reading a soap opera script. It was incredible to see the relationship between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, who haven't won a Super Bowl, who won a Super Bowl together, who have a tremendous amount of success, made the playoffs for an incredible long stretch. They've been there, but how they genuinely don't like each other. And the thing I thought was really interesting about this article, both guys look bad. Right. No one looks like a winner here. But so, and it's interesting, the way that Tyler Dunn sets up this article, because every it's been rumored, it's been speculated say, didn't, that there's tension. I mean, when Mike McCarthy was hired, we kind of said they haven't liked each other. So you're thinking, all right, when did it start? And you're like, well, it probably started over the last few years because that's when things have started to go downhill and they right. haven't been as strong. They haven't made the deep playoff run. And you find out that it goes all the way back to the draft night when Aaron Rodgers was drafted and he was in the green room and was waiting and waiting and waiting, didn't get drafted till late. Well, you know what Mike McCarthy was doing at that time? He was an offensive coordinator for the 49ers where they selected Alex Smith, mm. number one overall. And they're saying the real, like, real deep divide between the two of these guys stems from Aaron Rodgers still being ticked off that he had to wait that night and that Mike McCarthy thought Alex Smith was better than him. So it all, it like, when Mike McCarthy was hired, it instantly was like a bad start. How long have those two been together? How long has it been? They were together the, the entirety of Aaron Rodgers, almost that's, his whole career. It's remarkable and that 12 years over a decade of, of, yeah. of resentment and, and working together with a guy that you genuinely don't like. We talk about this all the time. Guys of Aaron Rodgers caliber, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, LeBron, finding something to hold on to, to have that chip, to keep driving them. There is a fine line between that and then holding on to something that's so silly that, 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 that it hurts you. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And this is, you're towing the line right now if you're Aaron Rodgers. I get it. Use, use the motivational tool of someone overlooking you and you having to wait on draft night, but that can't be something that you hang on to and, and, and hate a dude and it affects your relationship and then it's hard for you guys to work together. Do you know what I mean? It starts right. to cross that line. Like Tom Brady, similarly, has always played the chip on his shoulder. Six round draft pick. And, you know, he's, he knows every quarterback yeah, that was taken. I'm, I'm okay with that. But you know what's crazy? The Patriots took six other players before him. Right. Six other players by the Patriots they thought were better than Tom Brady. Right. And, like, does he – but he never got mad at the Patriots. Right. And I'm, he went into the ownership. He went into Robert Kraft and was like, I'm going to be your guy. You watch. I'm going to prove you. I'm, I'm your guy. Yeah. And, like, used the external motivation. Didn't see it as a – like, from his own organization – that's the biggest problem with this. Like, I think it's totally healthy. I would encourage you to look for chips on your sure. shoulder to try to motivate you, especially at Tom Brady still using those. LeBron James, they they make up stuff in their mind. They hear perceived slights, and they'll say, I'm going to prove you wrong because right. they need that extra motivation. So it's crazy. Um, I think the thing that's really fascinating is you've got former players, Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley, on the record. A lot of times when you see these pieces – where it's one side versus another. It's all anonymous, anonymous sources. sources yeah. Nobody wants to put their name to it. Dudes are like, no. Like Aaron's, Aaron's pretty arrogant. You know, he's not that he's, he's created this environment. Right. Guys are throwing Mike McCarthy, you know, saying, Hey, not the highest IQ. Like they're calling out both sides of it. One of the most incriminating things I thought I read in the article, which was really embarrassing for Mike McCarthy was apparently this is according to the story. He had multiple sources that said this was the, uh, happening. Was on, you know, like Fridays, whatever day you would pick. It was like once a week, the team would be starting their team meeting. Typically, the head coach addresses the team for a few minutes, gives a little, motive, you know, whatever the plan is, last minute details, maybe a motivational message, and then you split up. They said they'd be waiting for this meeting. It'd be 9 o'clock. Everybody's looking around like, where's Coach McCarthy? Right. So it would go like 9.02. And NFL, most teams always vary on time. You're there. You're going to get fined. So all of a sudden, they're looking around, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. Somebody would come up there and say, all right, well, let's just get rolling. 
And then they'd start with practice. Head and coach not there. Head coach not there. So guys were like, all right, it's kind of peculiar, but whatever. Like, it's a head coach. Like, we'll just move on. It was found out that Mike McCarthy was up in his office getting massages at the time of this meeting, which was supposed to be taking place. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs a massage. I, I guess so, but what's wrong with his own damn time? Like, can't he do it like after work hours or early? Like you could, what's wrong with going in there at 7 a.m.? That's just, that screams checked out. Exactly. You know, it just screams checked out. I, I, I think I've told you this story about my, I got traded after I had this wrist injury from Charlotte to Golden State. It was Steph Curry's rookie year. Um, and I reported to Golden State late in the season. Nelly, Don Nelson was the coach there. Nelly had coached me in Dallas, but he was a little long in the tooth at this point. Um, so I would go to rehab, um, and then come back like right when practice was going to start because I couldn't practice yet. Everybody else has been there about an hour. They're in there warming up. All the coaches are in the building and I'm parking my car on top of this roof in, in Oakland and then walking into the gym. So I notice a truck sitting over this is, one minute before practice is going to start. I might be a minute late. I don't know, but it's fine for me because I'm coming from rehab. Yeah, and I see this truck, and I'm like, "You're like, there puffs of smoke coming out of the truck." I'm like, "This truck is on fire. This can't be good. We're on top of a building. Let me go over there and see what's up." I get to the car. <laughs> Don Nelson is sitting in the front seat of the car, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> and the smoke is like billowing out of the car. We're one minute before practice starts. Right at that point, I said to myself, "He has checked out." <laughs> right. He's, I mean, and it, it, it's okay. Like he was, he had coached in the NBA forever. He had played in the NBA forever. But when coaches start doing that, they're, they're probably checking out. I don't think he coached much longer. Are you was, sure it was cigarette smoke? Uh, not, well, yeah, cause I know the smell. So I'm pretty sure it was cigarette. <laughs> all right. All right. Pretty so sure at that time, yeah, it was, it was, it was cigarette. Uh, with when I was on the Broncos, Mike Anderson, who was an incredible running back for the Denver Broncos, he used to go during training camp. He'd go in his car and it wasn't checked out. It was just like you had your free time. Right. Those guys would take a nap in the locker room or something like that. He would go out to his car and he'd smoke some black and miles. Like that was his <laughs> thing. And God, like I always, I never smoked cigarettes. Right. I never had any part of it cause I wanted to be like healthy and mm-hmm. want to be able to run. And I was always, if, if there was ever any thought of it, I'd be like, well, I won't be able to run. I can't have my lungs. So I was like, how? he would go out never, like one of the fastest dudes in gassers, conditioning, like one of the best conditions dude, former Marine. So you're like, all right, oh, that guy's in another, another stratosphere right there. I, we, right. we had a few NBA guys, uh, you had some guys that would be smoking cigarettes and some other things like in, in, in stalls in the bathroom and stuff like that. It, it, Wait, what, it, other things? Other things, in yeah. Installs, installs. Like you go look for them. You, you want to know. That. You want to know where somebody was. And you, and you, there he is. All right. Good stuff. Uh, clearly, that wasn't happening in uh, Green Bay. Uh, Ryan Grant, one of the dudes uh, that was mentioned in the article, former teammate, uh, had an interesting quote to cap it off. Said the reason we did well because they did have a tremendous amount of success. Right. That's what's nuts is they had all the success. The reason we did well was because we weren't looking for Aaron Rodgers to be a phenomenal leader. He needed to be a phenomenal quarterback. Other guys, we were the leaders. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And it, sh- it shows you, like, Aaron Rodgers is drawing up plays they're talking about. He's waving off Mike McCarthy. He's MFing Mike McCarthy on, but he doesn't like to play calls. But it shows you how f- insanely talented he is to just be able to draw up plays in the dirt. Right. And it's just, it's remarkable that they would do that. But, uh, obviously we'll have to see. Matt LaFleur, the new coach of Green Bay, I think he's going to have his hands full. You know, yeah. He's got a very strong-willed sure. quarterback who has a high IQ and knows he does. That's mentioned in the article. He thinks he's smarter than he is. Talking about Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be really delicate for him to handle as a it, rookie head coach. That's a very interesting dynamic. But I, in the NBA, your best player does not have to be your leader. It's not a necessary thing. It helps if he is, right. but you can find other guys. I played on teams where I was not the best player, but emotionally I, I led some of those teams. I've been on other teams where, you know, the best player was, was the leader, the guy you took cues from. I don't really know there's a position in baseball that I would say that guy needs to be your leader, right? It's not a pitcher. You don't have to be your leader. It's, right. You know, 
I do feel like a quarterback needs to be a leader. Yeah. Whether that's fair or unfair, I feel like it's great that you're super talented and ultra talented, but if you're going to consistently get teams to where they need to go, yep. you have to be a leader at that position. And look at any winning teams that have it. You know, and as you're seeing Aaron Rodgers, his leadership style criticized, it's the, the organization has struggled. Ben Roethlisberger, his leadership right. style has been criticized. The, the organization has struggled. It is definitely a trend. I don't think there's one style you have to be a leader. No. You don't have to be rah-rah. You don't right. have to be something. You just have to be true to yourself, but you have to lead grown men. They have to look at you and say, we want to play for you. We're going to go to battle with you, and let's go. Yeah. Like You can't have somebody where there's that type of division within the locker room for sure. All right, welcome back, Ken Ellen Bell. You are doing a pretty good job carrying us today because I, I told you I was out last night. So I, I'm, I'm counting on you. I'm gonna have to go home and take a nap uh, when I get back from the Look, planning. This is my breakdown. I'm going to. I'm algebraic equations. I, I am not messing around. Yeah. If you are just listening on the podcast, you can watch us on CBS Sports HQ. You can watch entire episodes on YouTube. Uh, Ken Ellen Bell, check out our channel. Uh, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found, yeah. you can check us out there. But if you watch us. You have like a. This is like A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Like what was the movie with X? Russell Square, Russell Crowe when he's you have at the, the board. distributive property? Beautiful yeah. mind. Yeah, beautiful mind. Yeah. You are like yeah. beautiful mind right now, figuring yeah. out who is going to uh, be the final three spots in the Eastern Conference in the NBA because it is an extremely tight race. As the top five are locked up, you got the Pistons, Nets, Magic, Heat, Hornets, kind of all bunched up right there, vying for these final spots uh with three or four games left in some of these circumstances who do you think is going to get in as a heat fan i don't think i think they're on the outside because if you look at the heat's record at minnesota at toronto their uh, schedule uh philly at home then at brooklyn yep. those are four really tough outs biggest biggest game there is at minnesota because yeah you, you now they just clinched though the eastern they just clinched the number one seed who's that uh oh not Mo- I was milwaukee, milwaukee did Duh. um but you got to win at minnesota because I imagine you lose Toronto and you lose Philly. And then if you see Brooklyn, if you win against Minnesota and then you see Brooklyn and you beat them, you could wind up 40 and 42. And then you would have to hope um, that the Nets lose at Milwaukee. It, it, it might not be motivated anymore. At Indiana, they always play tough. And then they've got that Miami game. They would then be 40 and 42. I don't know who holds the tiebreaker, but that's the way you get in if you're the Heat, in my opinion. The Magic have Atlanta and, and, and Charlotte. Um, and Boston sandwiched in. I think they get in. I think the Pistons hold on to get in. So I think it comes down to the Nets and the Heat. And if the Heat lose at Minnesota, um, I think it's a wrap. Now, here's the deal. For the Heat, and this isn't Heat hating, this is Heat love. Mm-hmm. Lose. Right. Lose. What's the advantage? And I want to see Dwayne Wade. You got a bunch of people waiting to celebrate Dwayne Wade's final Heat game. Right. What happens if they make the playoffs? You don't know when that is. Right. You, can you, uh, can you have a tribute to the man the way he's supposed to have one? Seriously, if that's a fluid thing and you've but got. But they'll do it the last, last regular season game, but then it'll be weird. Like if they. Yeah, but what if the last regular season game is, is, is like. The last regular season home game. Well, no, yeah, but I mean, that's not a real farewell though, right? Like, right. cause he's going to play more games in your arena. I think it should end and the season should end. On a goodbye farewell to Dwayne Wade. So you're saying doing it in a positive light, lose so you can pay tribute to Dwayne Wade. You ain't winning anyway. Who are you beating the Bucks? Are any of these teams a threat to any no. of the top seeds? No. You think there's going to be chalk when the playoffs start? Yeah, yeah nope. probably. Most uh, most times it usually is. Who's the three uh, seed in the Who's the three seed in the the East? That's, right now the Sixers. Uh, no, yeah, then none of those guys are losing. Yeah, and it looks like they're probably going to stay there too. Uh, what do you think of the Bucks jerseys last night? I thought they were kind of gross. Yeah, the Harley Davidson patch. I remember that. What what else were they green? I like them, was just like, like ugly yellow. I've never. Like they were loved. really because I picture them as a greener team, and they had like this real yellow, like a red. It just seemed like the color didn't match. 
And then it was just blah. Like it just like kind of puked on you on the screen. See like. Oh yeah. They look like a EuroLeague jersey. Exactly. They just looked totally out of place. So I did not love those. Uh, the other team that was getting a lot of, uh, uh, quality mentions on Twitter, shall we say, are the New York Jets. Because there was, there have been reports, leaks of the Jets getting new, new uniforms and people were like, no, 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 this has got to be a joke. These aren't real. And then they came out and they said, these are real. You, uh, people don't love them? People are, were skewering them. Really? Saying that they don't look like an NFL team. They look like a CFL team. Pacoca, what team is it in the CFL that they almost look identical to? What's wrong with that? It's uh, I like that one's kind of tight. I don't, Rough Riders. And they we, look have, like, we have, we have what that looks like. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are almost identical oh, to wow. what they're wearing. I, and it looks like they knocked them off. It looks like they copied them. I don't love the New York, uh, I don't like the script. I don't like where it's placed. Right. Like, I, I'm gonna call me you know, a little bit biased, but I like the New York Giants, like the logo that NY. Like, I would, like, I don't know if you need all of New York written out, just kind of in a weird spot. Yeah. And it does look almost identical to Saskatchewan. When yeah. You side by side. I wasn't privy to the, so. but I like the all black. I do like the all black one. I think it's pretty tight. Like that uniform, I kind of like. I think I, more teams in the NFL should have black unis, like an alternate set. I'm, I'm, I don't, I like the NBA model. I don't think it has to be only on Thursdays or in color rush right. on the NFL network. Right. You can roll out your homes, you can roll out your ways, and you can roll out those alternate jerseys a la Madden or yeah. whatever video game you have. And I would tell you, like, Dolphins, all black, with that teal running through it and a little bit of orange and white, man, Pretty that'd be tight. fire, man. I wish, I, I'm with you. I wish the NFL would embrace uniforms a little bit more. I mean, yeah. what Oregon does, Helmets. what it did for Oregon's brand yeah. and the college football program. Wait, there's two, you know, like the throwback uniforms are always awesome and they only do it once. Right. You can't do it twice. I know. It's like, why not let them why pick, not? let them have six, however many, if they have a spot, if they have a deal with Nike, let them come up with his, if they want to wear a different uniform every single game, let them do it. I'm with that. Like as the Bucks ones, as much as I didn't like them, I think it's cool that they're able to break those out and some fans might, they might say, Hey, let me buy one. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like, let me get a hold of those. It used to be the, we, I used to love, um, having the conversations with, with our equipment managers about like what alternates are we going to wear right. on the road, you know, yeah. and it's a stupid thing, but like it was who like decided, a, it was like a treat for us. Who decided that? Was it the players? Was it the coach? Or different, was it the company? Different teams. It, it wasn't the company. Different teams had different, you know, people that decided. Some guys, it was just the equipment guy, and he might be superstitious. So if you won in like a, a uni, right. he might roll that out on the road somewhere. In other cases, it might be the coach. Jerry and those guys in Utah typically had more say because they were a little bit more old school with theirs. But it, and then in some teams, it's the players ask for him. See that the the boringest thing ever was in the Giants. It was when you were at home, it was going to be blue, and when you're away, it was white. There was none. There was no other conversation. I hate that. that was just yeah. it. A lot of colleges do the senior council, you know, the leadership council. Right. Have their upperclassmen. They'll go vote on it. And like you talk about ways to get guys amped up. Like they get fired up for what uniform they're going to wear. Especially Absolutely. If they have a say in it. Like Dude. you come out with the All Blacks for a special game, and like it's a Monday night football, and you want to add a little bit of cachet to it. You say we're going to wear the All Blacks for that game. Everybody's hyped. Dang right. You know? we, we had um like my son's youth program, um football now. They, they, they bought some, I'd never really seen football reversible unis, but these were pretty dope. So they were black, white, right? They had black pants, they had white pants. This was, this is a, another Western Warrior beef. So if anyone's listening from the Western Warriors, <laughs> you have, you've done this. So now you can have four different combos of unis, right? Yeah. You could go black shirt, white pants. Yep. You can go white pants, black shirt. Yep. You can go all black. You can go all white. All they ever did was all black or all white. 
<laughs> that was it. And I'm like, what the hell? Right. Why would you even get? Right. Why would you go through? Got to mix and match. Mix and match, baby. Let's Absolutely. keep them guessing. When I was at Florida State, there was a, uh, I think it was all white was one of the color schemes that we had. Yeah. But Bobby Bowden was pretty superstitious, and Florida State previously had been shellacked by uh, Florida in Gainesville. Like so, we had them, and they were in the like rotation. In the but rotation, but we never got to wear them. <laughs> they were like, nope, we're not That's breaking the- those out. Uh, Coca found this rule for us, which again, it kind of speaks to the no fun league. Uh, the NFL imposed a new rule for the 2013 season, prohibiting the use of alternate colored helmets, eliminating many of the historically accurate throwback uniforms that have been in use to that point. Like, so you could have had really cool throwback uniforms that actually the helmets went perfectly in line, and now they don't. I don't know if it's a safety issue. If it is, it's stupid because in college they do it all the time. If they, they can be, like, kids work new helmets in all the time right. nowadays. Right, right, right. Because right. I used to have, like, my helmet would fit good and I didn't right. have a new helmet. But now the technology's better, they're more comfortable, and they do it. I don't understand why the NFL has some of these dumb rules in place. But it's the way they are, and were, they make billions. So were, were you good with helmets? And uh, this is way off the rails. I don't right. know if we got time. Did you like a certain helmet? Did you wear a certain helmet all the time, like, all the way up? What about Yeah, so strap? pretty much. So I went, I had... My face mask was kind of early. Well, I went, you had a booty face mask? I went with the Dan Marino, like old school. It was really long. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. it was big. And then my last two years, I went with a smaller, like just the two bars. Uh-huh. Um, but then I just wore like, I think it was Riddell or whatever. Right. It was like whatever it was. Uh, no, these are, these are pretty Those cool. are the ones. Oh, he's talking about my picture. This one. Oh, there you yeah, go. You, you can see that. That's not very, yeah. It's all right though. At the time, it looked contemporary. Right. I just bought Shout my boys those new Vices ones. You, they have a collapsible shell. Like it's a, it's not a, a super hard shell. It's supposed to disperse the. Really? Yeah. So Contact? I'm, yeah. I don't know if they'll like them because I bought them that one with the tectonic plate last year. Yep. And my older son was like, nah, I like my speed flex. So right. he wouldn't did, that's why I ask you. Like, right. cause he was like, I wore the same like, no, helmet I want that high helmet. school, yeah. uh, college and pro. I wore uh, the same brand, right. same helmet, same face mask till my last couple of years. All right. All right. Welcome back. Canel and Bell hanging out. Finish off on a Friday. The weekend is here. We got basketball all weekend long. Next week, masters pumped up for that. So we got a, a pretty good, nice little stretch championship game Monday night, 609. The game's tip on, uh, CBS, uh, UVA versus Auburn is up first. The CB, do we have the Masters? Yeah. We need to do something. So we can revolve the, like, the, like around the Masters, right? For can sure we just we sit do. here and watch and can we wa- have a watch show maybe here. Like Thursday or Friday? Here? Yeah. Or there? Oh, better. better. <laughs> That's why we need better to do question. it. No, but I think we should do something Thursday with yeah, the show. Yeah. Yeah. Or Friday. Live watch, a live watch party, party right? Both days. Yeah. Be absolutely. going on. There you go. Coca, get it done. Talk right. to Port. We'll just have a live watch party and it'll be on HQ. Yeah. And we can just sit here and watch. Just chill, right? That'll there be entertaining go. for everybody who's listening just to hear us watch. Maybe quiet after right. popcorn. See a different snack. side of us, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do our picks. UVA versus Auburn. First game up, 609. UVA is laying five and a half points. Auburn is the team that is on fire. Eight and two against the spread in their past ten. Three and three in their past, uh, against the spread in the past six NCAA tournament games. Who do you like? Virginia is also eight and three against the spread in their past eleven non-conference. Games. I want to take Auburn, but I'm going to take UVA. I think that the dome is a very real thing. Shooting in those cavernous buildings when your depth perception is off. Um, Coca's mad at me because I'm on my phone. I'm looking at oh, some research. Offensively, yeah. Coca, chill, bro. Offensively, um, yeah, I think they'll be disrupted. And UVA's defense is really good. So I do think it'll be close. 
But I think UVA maybe by six. So I'll take UVA with the points. I think you're on the smart side, actually. Uh, see, this is why I don't like Twitter because I actually got a DM from a buddy who's listening to the show. I shouldn't say buddy because he sounds like he absolutely hates me. <laughs> Mitchell uh, was mad at me because I asked the question about Bruce Pearl turning the program around so fast. Uh, a lot of the public money's coming in on Auburn. I think it's, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with it. I like Bruce Pearl. I think they are the hot team. Yeah. I do think it's gonna be interesting to see if they struggle shooting in a big cavernous struggle for you as a struggle. Shooter. Absolute struggle. I mean, when I went to the difference. Carrier Dome, struggle. When I went to the Alamo Dome, real struggle. Like it is, it is a difference. And you know what I don't think? Hot is one thing when you're playing every other night or every two nights. Right. You've now had a week to go home yeah. and chill. You're totally the, the momentum. Team. Yeah. You're a different team. And now it's sunk in that you don't have, uh, um, um, I can't remember his name. Akiki. Yeah. What's his name? Right. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Hey, you're a really hard. good player. It is I don't hard. Remember. No, that yeah, is hard. Uh, all right. The other one, Michigan State laying two and a half versus Texas Tech. Tim Doyle's lead pipe lock. Are you going with our boy Tim or are you going to say Michigan State, Tom Izzo, the experience are going to win out? I'm going to take two favorites in this one. I agree with Tim in that it could be a barn burner. Um, yeah, are we allowed to take the over in these or the I'm, under? I'm or? taking Texas Tech, man. I am too. I'm going with our man Tim. Are yeah. you going money line? You say they win flat out? If I'm getting two and a half, I might as well take it. I, you know, honestly, like we give our picks. I honestly hope that we get really good games. That's all I really. Because there were some fantastic games last week, and really I want to see epic performances. Love to see an overtime game. When I have no reason to root for any of these teams. I just want to see good games. Yeah, I'm I with you. I want to see, but 100%. I will take uh, Texas Tech as well. Uh, you know, oh, you know what? Mm. I might flip my pick. <laughs> Which one? Danny, I, I Danny, totally Danny, Danny. No, 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 no. You can't no, 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 no. do that. You so, can't do that. Are you aware of who's giving? You Michigan can't do that. You just picked against Sparty? him. I want Roger to know this. I didn't wear. I wasn't aware of this. I told him. What am I missing? Sparty is getting a pregame hype talk from okay. one of the most motivational, inspirational voices. Of today's sporting landscape. One former Michigan State quarterback. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is speaking to the team to give them a topic, to give them a pep talk that is going to be otherworldly. He's you gonna, like that? He's going to tell you like that. He's going to tell them how to come to a place with high expectations, yes. everything riding on the moment and lay an yes. egg. Yes. No, 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 he's not. He's going to tell them how to deliver, <laughs> how they're going to be a team. It's going to so be you're taking state. Go with I'm state. going Michigan Go State. Sparty, cover baby. the two and a half. I'm done. Michigan State. By the way, they're 26 and nine against the spread and they're past 25. How do you like that? Her cousins? Yeah. He's going to get them fired up. Haven't you ever heard him talk to his team? They get riled up before the game. They're all uh, ready. Either you like that dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was yeah. when he was the Redskins. Right. All right. But, but, yeah. I mean, but he yeah. still got, he's got a little emotion to him. Right, right. Uh, last we have a bit of news on the show. We, yesterday we talked about, you're going to be the bit hardest working man around because you're going to get the big three gig. We hope. Uh, yeah. uh, we hope. We're still <laughs> we trying hope. to We're make pushing. that happen. Shout out to Amy Trask, uh, commissioner of the league. Okay. She did, she did like the tweet that we did. Okay. Yeah, so we're on the radar at least, or you are. Okay. We, we, this is collective. Uh, but you have a new jig. So you took the new head basketball coaching job. At American Heritage in Fort Lauderdale, Plantation. Yeah, in Plantation. Uh, yeah. so that's awesome, man. You've been in coach, you've been assistant for a while. Mm -hmm. You pumped up or what? Yeah, I'm pretty fired up. It's a good opportunity, man. They got great resources. They just, they're building like a 3,000 seat, uh, new, uh, state of the art arena. They put millions and millions of dollars into it. Educationally, it's, it's a really good school. And, you know, like, I, I just want to do things that keep me around the game and then, and can keep me around my kids. Yep. So, you know, this level is perfect for me. I get a little bit of both. So hopefully we can build something really cool. 
cool. I think they're committed. Um, I got a great staff coming with me. What kind of system are we? Are you gonna be the Mike's next Mike D'Antoni? I don't know, man. Brandon I don't Reeves know. I should listen. I'm losing sleep over that. I don't know exactly what I'm. Oh, look at that beanie. Oh, what look is at that. Wrong with you? <laughs> I used to have one of those though with a little lid on. <laughs> I only wear it on the look. Slopes. That's Sean Marks in the background, James Jones shooting, and Pat Burke, the dart, back in the corner there. I yeah, love we'll it. probably be up tempo. Nice. So Kirk Cousins to give them. You can have uh, Mike D'Antoni give your team a pep. I need to call Mike there and go. see if I can get some uh, some pointers. There we go. Good stuff, man. Congrats on that. Thanks, Everybody enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back on Monday to break them all down right here at Canelo Bell.